Listen closely. Okay, so it's 1901, winter. Very early morning, the sun isn't up just yet, and the scientist, uh, I don't know, you might have heard of him, his name was Nikola Tesla. He's sitting on a hillside in Colorado with his ear up to a receiver. He built this lab called the Tesla Experimental Station just two years before uh, to conduct experiments regarding wireless communication. The station lives up on uh, Pikes Peak, where the high altitude conditions are basically like a playground for electrical currents. Photographs and illustrations from around this time show Tesla standing on this wooden platform at the lab overlooking the scenic mountainside. He's usually surrounded by machinery or gigantic sparks of lightning. There's this huge radio tower coming out of the roof of the station behind him, and all of these metal cans wired together on the ground near his feet. So that's the scene. And he's just listening, and listening, and listening, until he hears something. The next day, Tesla tells the San Francisco Examiner that he believes he's received a message from Mars. From the studios of Cincinnati Public Radio, I'm your host, Dean Regas, and this is Looking Up. The show that takes you deep into the cosmos or just to the telescope in your backyard to learn more about what makes this amazing universe of ours so great. Our guest this week is Akshay Suresh, PhD graduate in astronomy from Cornell and BLIPS project leader. So, uh, sorry to leave you hanging with that Tesla thing. I mean, did Tesla hear a message from Mars? He wrote in the San Francisco Examiner, A new voice from a planet millions of miles removed was spoken over one of the myriad of unwired telephones of the universe. And there, near the lonely mountain peak, in the fathomless calm of night, the voice at last found a listener. And the world spoke to world, in language strange at first, but sure to be clearer. So Tesla was convinced. This was a message from Mars to him, and he was the listener. And, uh, well, unfortunately, Tesla's theory was pretty much immediately dismissed by the scientific community, and he tended to be super vague and secretive about his experiments in general. So we really don't know what it was that Tesla heard that night. So what was it? You know... I know that there's like this idea of like aliens are gonna visit us and we're gonna see them and we're gonna find them on Mars and that's glamorous and awesome, but it's probably not how it's gonna happen. Like if, if we find aliens somewhere, we're probably gonna have to hear them because it's just too far to go to these places. If there is life on Mars, it'd be microbial, small and underground. So not exactly like getting on the radio and calling us. And that's what we're seeing in everywhere in the solar system. Now, there could be places in the solar system where life exists, but getting to them is tough for us. So why not let them 
come to us over the airwaves. At NASA, our goal is to explore and utilize space to help America advance science and technology. Now, uh, over the past century, there have been several efforts to communicate with extraterrestrial life. The most notable is NASA's SETI Institute. That stands for Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. This was founded in 1984 with the sole purpose of searching for ETs. The purpose of SETI, or the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, is to detect evidence of such intelligent life in our Milky Way galaxy. They use uh, radio telescopes that are constantly innovating and improving to figure out you know, how they can listen better, listen clearer. The newest iteration of this is called BLIPS. This stands for the Breakthrough Listen Investigation for Periodic Spectral Signals, with two S's by the way. What kind of message would you want to send out if you were an intelligent civilization and you wanted to be heard? Well, I mean, I think podcasts are probably a good way to do it, but I think that your best way to do it is just repeat something. The computers are crunching all this. They're looking for things that are repeating over and over again. There's lots of these telescopes that are, are listening for these kind of things and aiming at the center of the Milky Way is good place to go because that's where more stars are, that's where potentially more planets are. So getting back to the BLIPS project, this is a, an exciting new way to kind of pick up where SETI left off. And, and I'm really excited to have our guest here today. Uh, it is Akshay Suresh, who is a PhD graduate in astronomy from Cornell University. And uh, man, I can't wait to talk aliens with him. Uh, Akshay, thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Dean. How are Great you doing? To meet you. Nice to meet you too. So, what brought you into the the world of astronomy? What 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 fascinates you the most about about space and you know just the universe in general? That's a great question. So, personally, I love solving puzzles, and to me, that's where the fascination with astronomy came about. The universe is just a mysterious, open limitless repository of scientific puzzles waiting to be explored. And what I really find even more intriguing is that several of these puzzles change over time. So the universe and astronomy in general always offers something unexpected and exciting to study. You know, for most people, astronomy is, you know, looking through a telescope, the optical wavelength of light. And, you know, this is a weird question, but do you have a favorite wavelength of light to study? Yeah, great. That's great. So I actually like radio waves the best. So radio waves are really long, stretched out wavelengths of light. These are invisible to our naked eye, but we use them daily for communication, say uh, our mobile phones use them, our microwaves use them. They're also used for like uh, aircraft navigation, like radar. Part of my study is looking for radar-like signals from outside our galaxy. Well, and so we were talking earlier about the, the BLIPS program. Um, how did that come about? And are you like actively thinking, okay, we're going to find intelligent life out there. Is it possible? What, what, do you think, uh, what do you think our chances are? Those are great questions. But the goal is to detect repeating signals or recurring signals from distant alien poles which might be indicative of potential alien technology. And I actually began working on the software back in 2021 when I started out as a visiting researcher at UC Berkeley. At that point, one of my collaborators 
Dr. Vishal Gajar had been contemplating blips as an innovative idea to push the frontiers in our search for alien technologies. Vishal's vast and rich research experience and my coding skills were able to bring blips to fruition. Now the question of intelligent life is interesting in itself. I must first say like the concept of intelligence is quite subjective for the purposes of our conversation. By intelligence, I'm going to consider life forms that can engineer their own technology for their sustenance. Personally, I do firmly believe that technologically advanced life may reside beyond our planet in our galaxy and even further, just because the universe is so vast, the life forms themselves may be drastically different from any we see on Earth, but they likely rely on the same fundamental means for interstellar communication. So this is not something like we're looking for uh, microbial life. This is, you know, life that can communicate is basically uh, what we're looking for. Correct. That's right. We are looking for life that has built some form of technology for interstellar communication. And, and so how is this uh, different or similar to the SETI projects, you know, from the uh, late 20th century and early 21st century? Traditionally, most SETI campaigns have looked for extremely narrow band transmissions. They could be just a few hertz wide and peculiar one-off events. So ascertaining their origin by going back to a specific direction on the sky and figuring out if it has some kind of artificial characteristic suggestive of alien technology is hard to pinpoint. And this is where my effort comes in by looking for repeating transmissions. You can study the signal multiple times over and over and can precisely determine its true physical nature. Well, you, 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 I'm going to ask you a question you probably can't answer, but can you give us the scoop? Have you heard anything so far? Unfortunately, no conclusive signals so far, but the hope is we would find one by churning through vast mounts of data from different sky regions. And this is going on with telescopes globally in China, in Australia, South Africa, in the Europe, and even now in the United States with the 100 meter Green Bank Telescope in West Virginia primarily. And now the Allen Telescope Array in California has joined the fray as well. Well, I would figure uh, if you found something, it'd probably be published and it'd be in the, uh, everywhere. <laughs> Now, there's there's some studies that are coming out, uh, not you know, a few years ago, that they haven't been really firmly established too well about the transmission of radio waves, that they maybe decay over a certain period of uh, light years or a certain distance. Uh, is there any news on that from that front? Is there a, you know, a fear that maybe signals decay over distance and that they might be hard to hear from very vast distances? It's an intriguing question. To our knowledge, at least studying astrophysical sources, we do not have evidence that the radio waves can diminish in intensity over time. So for instance, we can detect radio waves from galaxies which are very early on in the formation of the universe. A bigger question would be the longevity of the intelligent alien uh, life that is transmitting such signals. And perhaps do the alien life forms have like a certain range of lifespans based on the planetary environments? 
or is it that any life that we consider to be intelligent must have found ways to live sustainably? So potentially as humanity on Earth, as we make the transition towards uh, sustainable technologies, we should be looking for evidence of similar technologies beyond the Earth as well. All right. Well, that reassures me that our, our podcast today will be broadcast to Alpha Centauri and you know, about 4.2, 4.3 years, they'll hear that. Uh, oh, well, we actually have to broadcast out in the space, don't we? All right, we'll, we'll work on that, we'll work on that. Um, so it, do you see this technology as being something the public can access easily, maybe even participate in? Is there some uh, public element to this? Most certainly, that would be my hope in the very near future, at least, I would say even like two to three years down the line like our software blips using just CPUs. The software can crunch several gigabytes of data in a little under 30 minutes. And with laptops and tablets ever growing in compute power, I imagine backyard astronomers will soon be able to do the processing with their own devices. And data are always available open source from radio telescopes globally. So even if someone does not have their own radio telescope in their backyard, anyone with basic computing skills would be able to pull down the software and just run it on a piece of data for 15 to 20 minutes and get the results straight on their lap. It should be exciting. Oh, well, that sounds wonderful. Uh, you, you hear it, uh, everybody. Get to work. You're going to be hunting aliens with us as well. So let's say you roll into the office. Uh, you get good news from the computer. There is a conclusive signal. Uh, you know, you're like, all right, this is it. What, what would that look like? What, or what would you foresee a, a, a real legitimate signal sounding like? That's a good question. So... I'm again just guessing at uh, possibilities because we've not found anything conclusive so far. But thinking about it, I would think I would think that a alien signal which would be coming in from the sky might seem like weak interference potentially because it's coming in from really far away. And it, ideally, you would hope that the interference share some characteristics with those of human technologies which we can relate to but is definitely not something say associated with a satellite firstly as soon as i walk into the office and if i hear that i would i'd be skeptical to begin with for a signal to be conclusive we need to ascertain for real that the signal is originating from the sky and not from some ground-based human technology. And the second one is we need to confirm that the signal is real through confirmation with multiple telescopes. And if we do get both of these points checked off, then I would be willing to consider the possibility that the signal may be produced by artificial technology. That would be the first step. And beyond then, you need to have a protocol for how would the how would, how should humanity react in response to a potential extraterrestrial message. So, ha have you heard anything funny that you weren't expecting to hear, or uh, anybody that's broadcasting from Earth that you accidentally got, or 
a, a certain Cincinnati radio station that has too much power that shoots out into the universe. Have you ever come across any odd things like that? That's great. We do see like really odd signals in our data, some of which we can attribute to say geostationary satellites, which are directly overhead the telescope. So no matter where you point with us, just a single telescope, you do catch a signal from the satellite. Certain other sources of interference are more obscure. They come and go, and it is not quite as easy to tell the exact source of these interference signals. So that's a puzzle in itself. Well, yeah, this has been great. This is fun talking about this and I uh, wish you luck. I hope, I mean, it's like one of those fields where you're listening and listening and listening and you could go years without anything. And then, uh, man, your patience is enviable or admirable. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we are hoping to have like a radio telescope on the far side of the moon as well, which would be our dream for astronomers. Oh, absolutely. In the shadow there, you get a little quiet zone. That would be, uh, oh, that would be uh, amazing. Yeah, so that's something which all of us are pitching to NASA quite recently. So we're hoping that would come to fruition. Oh, yeah. I know they've been talking about that for a long time. Uh, well, Akshay, thanks so much for joining me today. This has been really insightful. Best of luck with your search. Um, and hopefully we'll be hearing about uh, some discoveries. I, I can't wait. Thanks so much for talking today. Thanks for having me, Dean. It is a pleasure. I, I really enjoy talking about my science and communicating with the public. But yeah, I'll be happy to chat more, too. Yeah, most certainly. Looking Up with Dean Regis is a production of Cincinnati Public Radio. Ella Rowan is our show producer, audio engineer, and extraterrestrial ambassador. Oh, I think she has some messages for them too. We come in peace, right, Ella? Yes. Uh, our theme song is Possible Light by Ziv Moran. I'm Dean Regis, and keep looking up. <laughs>